Alright, so technically I don't have an intro for this yet. I'm still working on it. Did you guys like the snazzy new uh, intro? Well, it's not new, really. It's a it's an old it's an old song from uh, Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door, and we'll, we'll actually talk about y- yes. Uh, but we're not here to talk about Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. Uh, we're here to talk about all the stuff that we've been doing during this quarantine in this new podcast that we are calling the Quarantine Chronicles. I to my uh, to my virtual left, I got Jason. Hi. To my virtual right, I got Angel. What's up? Right hand. My name's my name's. It, did you did, did you say, purposely did, right? did you purposely give me the left because I'm left handed? Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> I'm I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. You're, yeah. you're on this first intro, left hand synergy. You're doing great. Yeah, that 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 <laughs> total, that that was Absolutely. totally planned right from the beginning. Totally. Uh, yeah. How are you How are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. How about how about you guys? Pretty good. That, yeah, it's, can't complain. It's, you know, I can't. I wonder how I, many. I wonder how many people have had this start playing and be like, "What?" Because this is totally out of sync for us. Like, do you want to explain what's going on? <laughs> like, this is a whole new ball game. Yeah. So this is a brand new podcast that we're launching. Uh, basically, there is a lot of non Nintendo stuff going around in our lives that we would like to talk about. Whether it's like movies. Uh, TV shows, even other video games. Me and Angel, we're multi-platform gamers. Uh, As Jason, normal listeners know, I yeah, so. bring up God of War or Resident Evil or right. And so, of course, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem fair to bring up uh, multi-platform stuff on the Red Nintendo podcast because, of course, that's dedicated to all Nintendo. So we decided to make. Uh, originally, I think we sort of thought of this as more as a multi-platform. Uh, podcast for like a multi-platform video game podcast but then you know we also want to talk about all the movies that we've been watching all the tv shows that's going on because well we're in la and we have uh stay-at-home orders from the state and you know we're, we're just gonna follow them and we're just gonna consume a bunch more stuff than we usually do all right have been uh, really media yeah pretty much uh that's so this pretty is kind of, much this why we kind of, you, had, yeah. you had a good way to describe it when we were planning this, which is this is the random of random Nintendo. If the normal shows the podcast uh, the Nintendo, this is the random. And eleven years in, sorry, nine years in, we finally live up to our name fully. So it's a good oh, idea, especially with what's coming down the line. Uh, but anyways, that yeah. So we're gonna be talking. We're gonna be talking about everything really. Uh, probably not the news because the news is terrible nowadays. Uh, yeah. And who knows, maybe. Uh, once this quarantine ends, we could almost evolve this podcast into something else. Assuming that uh, everybody likes likes what we're doing here, and this doesn't uh, necessarily mean like the regular show's going anywhere. If you guys have listened to the regular one, that's staying put every other Sunday. This will alternate yeah. the off Sunday, so basically, you get double us, whether you want it or not. Really, well, well, yeah, you're <laughs> you're, you're getting you're getting weekly podcasts now, yeah, as opposed to to biweekly. Yeah. Um, but I hate that word. For the what, you hate the word biweekly. <laughs> By just the fact that like you have to explain whether wait do you mean twice a week or twice a month? I yeah, mean, or, or, every, or every other week or bimonthly. I mean, it's the same or biannual. But then what's confusing is if you do if we were to do the equivalent of, like semi annual. Semi annual is, is twice a year, but semi weekly sounds like it's like <laughs> twice a week. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> so that doesn't work either. <laughs> yeah, it, I guess we could do yeah. semi monthly, but that sounds. Yeah, that just doesn't flow well. Yeah, English is whack. 
yeah. Sure is. English is pretty whack. All right. So in the uh, unsmoothest of transitions, <laughs> uh, let's talk about some video games, shall we? Uh, I think I only have something on the docket this week. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Boy, is that a video game. Wait, did you Let beat me it? tell you, folks. Yes, I did beat it. I'm Ooh. currently playing. Uh, I have questions. I, yes, it took me. Oh, and and we should. We're we're gonna get some like movies and TV shows later on. If we do spoilers for that, we will do like spoiler warnings. I won't be talking about any spoilers for Final Fantasy VII. And uh, also, I have to yeah. do it. It's in my blood. There are timestamps for those who want to know what we're talking yes. about <laughs> yes. on the blog I, post at randomtown.com. Ah, I feel yes. so much better now. Whew. Yes, I could don't know <laughs> Jason's like fish shaking. Like he's yeah. not saying it. It's like the timestamps. <laughs> don't 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 worry, folks. I will get better at this. Uh, also, if uh, it's in the blog post, but we're totally winging this. Uh, usually on the random Nintendo podcast, Jason structures everything. And if you said it, conductor, we we try to be we try to make this a more casual podcast, so a little bit more conversational. Yeah, we're not as stressed out during it, so. It yeah. You guys are stressed out during the regular one. Let's dive into that for no. Um. <laughs> we're, we're, we're if anything, just I'm chopping the one it up, it you know. Yeah, yeah, okay, we're, okay. We're, we're we're just chopping it up. <laughs> it, it, this this podcast <laughs> is base is basically the uh, the what are you playing uh, from random Nintendo? <laughs> but also but watching. But, and what are you watching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. What are you? What consuming? is entering your brain? Yeah, the podcast. Because me works. Yeah. I mean, if we want to talk about food, we can talk about food, but I don't think we've given anything interesting this week. I don't know. I had dark chocolate Oreos for the first time yesterday and I've today. I've been craving some sushi. They're like, good. Business. See, look what happens. Look what happens when there's no structure, guys. Sushi and Oreos simultaneously. What? Within the first six minutes of the podcast. I know. We're off to a really a great start. Okay. So, uh, so Final Fantasy. That? Yeah. Tell us about Final Fantasy. So Final Fantasy VII Remake is probably – going to be my game of the year i'm already calling it uh hmm. as long as long as from the multi-platform side and you guys know uh how excited i've been for cyberpunk 2077 so the fact that i'm even considering final fantasy remake for my game of the year uh it's it's insane to me now this do, game do you is so good yep. question do you yep. expect so you're saying you're already considering for a game of the year do you expect to actually stay true to that you know what I mean? Like, cause you could say it's in the running, but do you, from what you've played versus what you've seen with Cyberpunk, actually think when Cyberpunk comes and goes, you're like, yup, nope, still seven. You know, is what it I really think, that high running for you? Like, I high up in the ladder? I think it might be because of the expectations that I've set for myself for Cyberpunk 2077, where mm. when I came into Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, we'll just call it FF7 or Final Fantasy VII for shorthand, I had no expectations going in. Right. Okay. The, you played the originals, right? I, I know I've asked this before, but. Yes, I've I've played and beaten most of the originals, uh, but most of the originals I beat. Man, Final Fantasy VII, I beat when I don't know, maybe early PS2 years, like when the PS2 came out, and I bought it and just to play it on my PS2. So who knows? Uh, okay. I don't even remember how long. That's I'm been. definitely just because I'm really curious because a lot of my coworkers have obviously played this game already, and. They they were on two camps. Either they played the original, and they've all everyone that's played the original has been kind of like you, like oh this is gonna be this is the best game of the year. I love it. And the ones that played it but didn't play the original had always had qualms with something, and were like it was alright. I mean I liked it. Or they either liked the story and didn't like the combat, or they 
like the combat and didn't like some of the level design. I don't know. They always have something. I, I've so seen I the know. same like online the where it's like if you don't have the nostalgia for the original whenever – however long ago that nostalgia was. In your case, Kevin, obviously a little later. The thing I see online a lot is people that have gone, gone in blind are like, well, what, what's the big deal? And people who have the nostalgia are all about it. It's very much like uh, Angel and my Star Fox 64 debates we've had time and time again where like – I love every remake of 64 because it's like, this is amazing. I remember this back in the day, but he's just like, but there's different, better things. Yeah, since. I'm like, it's boring. So, <laughs> so, I, I, so he does raise a good question, I think, that like, how much do you think is. I mean, obviously, your it could still fandom. be like. Yeah, like for, for a Kevin game, it could still be like, unlike, undeniably game of the year. But. Oh, yeah, for sure. Can you bring out like objective Kevin and be like, yeah, it's still, I would still say it's it holds up, even if you don't have any of that, you know, nostalgia. So, so, so to your point, uh, Angel, your coworkers, where the ones that don't have nostalgia, the ones that didn't originally play, I can understand maybe on the story front why they would think it's all right, especially some of the revelations that happened at the end of this game. But from the combat side, I think this is the best combat in any action RPG, RPG? game I've ever played in my entire life. Really? Yes. Even like, it is. Oh well, I, I mean, I haven't played a lot of Tales games to to make that decision. I think <laughs> they're kind of like uh, RPG Smash Brothers, so it's kind of why like it's hard for me to not love them. <laughs> that's actually a really apt description. <laughs> from yeah, what I remember yeah, from that, that, that kind of, that kind of <laughs> makes sense. It's, I mean, I, I I'd probably compare those a little bit more to like Power Stone. Than, well, I guess Power Stone is just like a Power Stone Smash. is just Arena Smash Brothers. No, okay. So what is so what is what is the combat in Seven actually kind of like? Like how fast are we talking? Because he has a big old sword. Is that thing heavy? Does it move slow, or is it like really rapid fire, like almost like you know Astral Chain or something like that? Which is oh yeah, move. it's 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 absolutely a rapid fire Astral Chain anime goodness. Like so <laughs> so for for those who don't know Final Fantasy Seven back in the day. They were all pretty much turn-based. And you guys know how the ATB used to work, right? The active time battle gauge? I think. That sounds familiar. It, it's <laughs> basically, you're waiting for a gauge to fill up, and then you have the option to use a spell or attack, that kind of thing. Oh, sure. So, okay. Yeah. So in this game, you still have the ATB gauge, but you're uh, controlling Cloud just like you would, let's say, Sora and Kingdom Hearts, right? As you're dealing damage with uh, with Cloud or any, there's there's four playable characters in this game. When you're dealing with them, you're speeding up the the rate of the gauge, and then once you have a bar filled, you can then use a spell or a special ability, and it just you're essentially micromanaging uh, three characters uh, during like the later stages, and you, you can switch freely between them. It's just uh, it's so it's so solid. It feels heavy. It feels it feels so good. The the materia system that which is basically like your spells and stuff like that. The the synergy that you can have between all characters. It just oh, I just don't know how to explain like this. <laughs> I, I I honestly I like don't know good. how I I honestly don't know how Cyberpunk might beat this. Not only that, this game has amazing boss battles. There's a there's a late game boss battle, uh, that man it just it, it's it's a short boss battle but it's it's probably and from all the spoiler cast that 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 I've listened to about this because I absolutely needed to to talk or at least hear some people talk about this game, uh that late 
uh, boss battle is like everybody's favorite too. It's it's so well designed. It, the game is padded a little bit, especially like in the middle. But the but I was having so much fun with the combat that I didn't even really care. The way you were at a loss of words a minute ago made me realize because the last couple, I feel like the last couple of regular podcasts I kept going like how's Final Fantasy Seven and you're like oh it's okay it's good and you weren't really talking about it. as far as you made a whole separate show to gush about Final Fantasy Seven and then when you got there you realized you were still speechless about how much you liked Final Fantasy Seven <laughs> and now here we are <laughs> but like, that's it sounds like it's really like it sounds like you're really liking it the fact, yeah, the fact and, they couldn't and, actually and save that's, that's- it's funny because this year I've I've been playing nothing but remasters and remakes. Mm-hmm. You know, I played um, uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, right. a remaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Persona 5 Royal, an enhanced edition. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be playing Catherine full body at some point. The Switch one? The Switch one, yeah, correct. Yeah, in July. Yeah, in July. I'll be playing that. Uh, the yeah, only new game that I can... In July. I know. Mario and Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, it's a big month. Who would have thought the slowest month is now a big month? Right, and like the only the only game in the horizon that I that I feel like might even even go toe to toe with this Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, and that that's obviously that's going to be a bigger game. That's an open world game. This game took me forty hours to complete, and that was just like a normal mode. You you do like a hard mode. Which yeah, say, that sounds like of, normal RPG. Not really do a lot of the side quest kind of time. Wait, what do you mean? Well, at least like in the Tales games, like whenever like I just get to the end, like doing not that many side quests, it's they on average they end up being like around forty hours. Mm-hmm. I feel like forty hours is like the average. At least like from all the RPGs I've played, it's always like around forty hours if you don't really do much else. Oh sure, so. sure, yeah, and like like aside from the gameplay factor, I think the story's great. Uh, they they took some of the side characters and made them like fully fleshed out characters. Which I think is great. Uh, they make you they like the fact that they make you feel for the side characters when they were just like, I mean, they weren't afterthoughts in Final Fantasy VII, but they were just they were definitely just like side characters that were introduced w- within a second and gone within the next. You know, it's the the voice acting is incredible. I just ha- I just can't gush enough about this video game. It, it's by far it's going to be hard to top this for my for my game of the year. You... Uh, maybe maybe Paper Mario can 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 take it to, depending on how whimsical and charming that game is because those Paper Mario games as as bad as some of the, as some of them are uh you can float on on charm and whimsy pretty Oh you yeah. definitely can. Yeah, and we're get, gonna... <laughs> that did get me through all the freaking sticker star but we're going to end up having I'm sure a huge debate about like the good versus the bad Paper Mario's next yeah. episode but like regular episode but I do have a question for you Kevin, based on something you said, you've only been playing remakes this year, right? That's what you're basically saying? Yep, pretty much. How do you feel about that? Are you okay with essentially double dipping? Or not necessarily double dipping, because you maybe didn't play Tokyo Mirage Session, because I don't think the original, right? No Last of Us 2 at all? But... Oh, you know Yeah, I might... Yeah, I'm probably going to play that. But I, I guess my question was, like... Because I feel like gaming's so focused on the next big thing and the hot new thing and all that that like, it is it? Are we at a point where it doesn't matter if things are just remakes and remasters? Because like you know, there's there's Tony Hawk, there's Final Fantasy Seven, there's the Call of Duties that are remaking just a generation ago. There's the upscaled things. There's the you know Nintendo does deluxe versions now. Like, do 
is gaming finally at the point where they could just keep doing this and no one cares anymore? Because I feel like if they tried this back in the I mean, day, as long as they're good, like, where's the new cares? stuff? Yeah, yeah, but it's just interesting because like everything's not everything, but there's such a market for it now. And then when Kevin, when you said that, like that's all you're playing, at least up to this point, I was just like, huh, what a 180 from like five, six, seven years ago, where like well, remasters are kind of like the cheap budget things that people. Oh would, yeah, I mean, true, because, because you know like I mean? the collection would, would only but, the team Ico collection would only be like forty bucks and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, it, and not only that, but it would just be like a side release. Like they'd be like, oh hey, I mean, check out the fancy new. But like, some for of them are also team like, Ico, like remaster the name. I mean, that's also where like. You have to, I guess, define those, like, rema- Like I wouldn't say Final Fantasy mm-hmm. and, like, Resident Evil 2 and 3, for that matter, like, they're not remasters. They're, like, complete remakes. They're, like, you could almost define them as different games. They right. They share the same basic structure. And then a remaster, you know, it's, like, basically an up port. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is it seems like the industry's pivoting from just those up to full-on remakes, but they're doing it at such a speed that, like... The new, the hot new releases are now remakes versus original things. And it's not necessarily good or bad. I'm no. not, I don't have a dog. It's just interesting to see the pivot happen. So I guess it depends on on what game we're talking about. Final Fantasy remake, Final Fantasy seven remake, and Resident Evil two and three are yeah. full blown brand new games. Whereas opposed to Persona five Royal and uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions are just remasters. One, the wonderful one hundred one, that remaster that's coming out soon. Yeah. That's essentially just a remaster with a couple of extra levels. It doesn't necessarily change the game. I think I think it's definitely okay if you're completely remaking the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a remaster, especially for, for games that didn't get as much love as they should have. Wonderful 101 and, and Tokyo Mirage Sessions, considering prime that examples. they were on a... Yeah, the, the prime examples. It It's definitely weirder in the case of stuff like uh, Shadow of the Colossus that... that uh, remaster remake that that came out uh what maybe about a year or two ago did did you play that angel which one the shadow of the colossus like oh I guess yeah it was a remaster like um, no no yeah it, it, funny because i played the 3d one that came out i guess on ps3 but then i only got to like the fourth colossi colossus right. but yeah i'm actually still playing through it right now um i think i'm like on colossus number 10 around there right man that game is beautiful in certain parts obviously so basically just when you're horse riding on the back and looking at the colossus every other time it's like oh yeah it definitely looks like this was built on top of a like a ps2 game which it was but yeah oh something weird that i gotta bring up about final fantasy 7 uh the so the character models look like the main character models look fantastic Mm -hmm. the rest of the game but ugly Really? Maybe, maybe maybe not butt ugly, but the textures are so so bad, and it takes forever for something to render. I'm hoping that the PC uh, version of this game fixes it. Well, I mean, I I'm I'm sure it almost certainly will, but like on a base PS4, uh, well, it's not even a base PS4, but on my PS4 Pro, it it doesn't look that great, like like your surroundings. But the cutscenes are are beautiful, even when they're they're rendered in engine, and they're just not a, uh, they're just you know just CGI cutscenes. But but aside from that, I don't is really it like any... are the backgrounds like like Resident Evil style back in the day where they're like separate rendered things that are just like like a pre-rendered you know static image? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you. I, I believe in Final Fantasy VII, the OG on the PS1. I think that's that's what it was. 
But now I'm they're sure doing that's them. what it was. Yeah, because yeah. now, now you can actually them. move the camera. Before it was basically like two thirds view of Resident Evil. Or right. Yeah. Right. Now, now they're now they're fully rendered, but they don't look that great. They look really huh, bad. Weird. Uh, yeah, but if anything, that that's that's my low point of this game. Aside from that, like, man, I I can't sing uh, enough praises for Final Fantasy VII remake. Pretty pretty god darn swell. <laughs> and that soundtrack, I haven't wow. played it, but definitely love oh, the soundtrack. To that soundtrack. The soundtrack. The soundtrack's amazing. It's it's beautiful. I don't um, I don't know if Nometsu composed it. I wouldn't be surprised if he did though. The the mm-hmm. the guy that composes pretty much all of their all yeah. the old Final Fantasies. Yeah. Uh, man, that game. I mean, time <laughs> will tell. If we're still uh, if we're still in quarantine uh, when Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven comes out. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll probably talk about it on this podcast. See, see what's going on there. But, uh, I mean, there Cyberpunk has the lead in my mind of games I won't play, but we'll look at from afar because Keanu called me and the three thousand people at Microsoft. You're beautiful. He didn't. Or call breathtaking. You. Breathtaking. Okay, breathtaking, man. breathtaking. He knew you were in the crowd. He, he would have not said it. Yo, I, listen. He said you're beautiful to a whole crowd, or you're breathtaking to a whole crowd that I was in. So I'm gonna say he said it. It's not incorrect. It's not fully correct. It's like somewhere in between. I but mean, it gives me more of an affinity for that game simply because that's my nostalgic connection to last E3 when we were all loud in places together. Yeah, oh simpler man, times. This, this, this quarantine's going to end. I know, me. freaking E3 would be like in a couple weeks, now, right? A couple, yeah, in like three weeks. Uh, when would uh, Comic Con been? Uh, late July. Oh. Yeah. Well. But instead, here we are talking here, here remotely. Here we are. I say though, what little I played of Final Fantasy in the demo definitely made me like Cloud a lot. Just seems oh, like yeah, a, the, the, just a he, cool dude to say, damn, like I remember him just from what little I've seen of the original game, just you know, I mean, they have better animation for the faces. You could see like little subtle expressions where they don't even have to say anything, like they could act without saying anything instead of just having the super blocky Popeye bodies that can't emote. But Yeah, and uh <laughs> and and certain future scenes uh are probably going to be even more devastating uh if you know you know anyways that's all we had on the game's docket uh because apparently you guys don't play video games i do uh, but they're all on a certain platform we cover in the other show <laughs> i'm a fan okay, through okay. And through. <laughs> angel you've been watching a certain show on the dc yeah, universe kind of came out of nowhere really because i would definitely say i'm not a fan of harley quinn harley quinn is the show that i've been watching and DC, like, I mean, I like DC. I mean, I guess if I had to pick DC or Marvel, I guess I would pick DC. But, <gasps> I, but I feel like... Really? Yeah, pretty easily. I don't really... There is Actually, no... wait. That's not as shocking as I thought it was at first. <laughs> so, I mean, the only, like, DC... I mean, Marvel Universe movies I saw in theaters were the ones I saw with you guys in theaters. Oh, true. Like, I, and I do like Batman have... a lot, and he's DC, so I can't Yeah, really... like, like, the only... I think the only reason... um. I actually, yeah, like the main reason I definitely fall more into DC is because I definitely watched a lot of their cartoons growing up and I really loved a lot of them, like Batman the Animated Series and Teen Titans and even Batman Brave and the Bold and what else was there? Teen oh, Titans actually, Go. Oh, dang, I love Teen Titans Go. I actually wa- I actually enjoyed um the Batman, the one that was animated by the same studio that did Jackie Chan Adventures. Did Did you watch Batman Beyond? That all makes oh, sense in retrospect, I, that animation style. 
<laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah blowing minds. If, if, you, if you look at the backgrounds and everything it's like yep it's the same same studio blowing minds but yeah, did you that, watch batman beyond you never said you never answered you know i barely watched that show i think what i don't wow. know it, it, it just Dude, didn't it come great is batman it came, in the future no no right? I mean, yeah. it's great yeah yeah I mean, thank you kevin no i'm not saying it wasn't i'm just saying like it just i don't know i don't know what else i was watching i think it just came out at a bad time where maybe Ninja Turtles 2003 was going on and that's where all my attention was. No, 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 no. Wait, why is that? I know. You know where my... Batman Beyond was in the same block as, uh, well, the same channel, Kids WB, as Jackie Chan Adventure and Pokemon in the late 90s and very early 2000s. So timing-wise... Batman Beyond was in the 2000s, wasn't it? Early, early. Yeah. So it was 2003 Ninja Turtles... I think Batman Beyond might have been over by 2003. But more of the point, if you're watching Jackie Chan and Pokemon, which I know you were, then Batman Beyond was being thrown in your face all the time. They were in the same morning block, if I remember correctly, on Saturdays. Know. It, I, you know what I think? It was, I, I think um, the main character just didn't click with me right away, and I just mm, didn't okay. really bother watching because he just wasn't as interesting as Bruce Wayne. Maybe Batman Beyond. Batman Beyond started airing January 10th, 1999, and it uh-huh. was oh, wow. on December 18th, 2001. Ha! Oh, like damn. I said, very early 2000s. That thing barely had a run. It had, a, yeah, but it was a great run that it had when it ran. And it had a great movie too. <laughs> this is what happens when I don't have like notes. My brain doesn't work. Perfect. We're going to condition you. I know. I know. So, anyway, um... so so pretty much like that kind of like background. Like it's kind of what makes me more of a DC. And also, like I just really love the villains. And I guess I were introduced in the Batman animated series. Like I really love Clayface and like Mr. Freeze and Riddler and all of the ones that were portrayed. Even like Scarface, I just love the ventriloquist dummy one. But essentially, Harley Quinn. Like I've only heard good buzz about it. So and then oh, and then I know Elvis was watching it, and I asked him what he thought, and that got me to start watching it. And I don't know. It's I really like it. It's really funny. It kind of reminds me of um, it's basically if Teen Titans. It has like. A good amount of a good balance between comedy and action, but because it's a show for an older audience, they don't hold back on the violence. Like when I guess for any action cartoons, like when they're fighting their bad guys, like people actually die very often. There's blood and gore everywhere, and even like the more adult language, I guess the cursing and stuff, even feels pretty natural. It almost feels like, huh? It makes it weird now. Like, oh, that's right. These characters would be you know, cursing up a storm because, you know, that's just how you would expect them to talk. But the only thing that's kind of weird is just that the special effects are, they kind of come off as kind of cheap sometimes. It looks like they're made with a different software than everything else is animated on. But I don't know. Honestly, I think um, you would really enjoy the show, especially you, Jason. Um, Is that because it's meta? It's, I love that it doesn't take itself seriously at all. It's, that's why it, I would most compare it to like some sort of like adultish Teen Titans, except it's focusing on the villains and even Harley Quinn, who I didn't really care much about at all before watching the show. Like I actually really like as a character and other characters like Poison Ivy and everyone else that didn't really have, I guess, an established personality was just like mean monster like Clayface got a lot of people just got wacky stuff like Clayface is, um, you know, his thing is he's made of clay. He could transform into anything. So they made him into this self-proclaimed professional actor person. So mm, he's just always he trying to... sculpts in his own, yeah. Yeah, so he's always trying to, like, 
dive deep into like the characters and he's always trying to like give them backgrounds and he kind of takes it too far and that kind of leads them into trouble or you have people like um you know they have some oh wow i already lost my train of thought yep the one the one i know that's in there that i'm really happy about here i got your back the one i know that i'm really happy about is the fact that the literally the entire character of bane from what i've seen on clips on twitter is just them making fun of the Dark Knight oh, Rises. Yeah. No, 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 literally one the ones I was going to name. Yeah, but like, yeah, I yeah, mean yeah, the yeah. the, oh, the voice, the like his whole personality, everything. It's just like this this tryhard that talks like oh, I'm Gotham Dragoning and all that. But yeah, but yeah, with a funny, muzzle, like, obviously. Because Bane is usually like always represented as supposed to be some really smart dude that's also really strong. But here he's you know he's kind of like average intelligence, but he's like very self conscious and he just gets like. Dogged on or bagged on like really easily. He, he's he, a pushover, but with that, voice. yeah, but that voice is like, yeah, but that voice is hilarious. Like you think it would get annoying or they would play it out too much, but I don't know. The, every time they he talks, it's it's just funny. I mean, B- was, Bane's yeah. having a moment in 2020. I mean, we're all wearing masks on our face. I'm sure the I mean, impressions he, are being done more again. Like it, it's, it's, <laughs> this is Bane's year. It's I mean, no one else's year, but it's Bane's year. I mean, I could definitely hear Jason like clapping every time he says, and he definitely does say like, "I'll be." Blank reckoning because he says that to a bunch of things. Hold on, wait. Like what do you mean a... you see me clapping? Do you think I'm like a real life <laughs> Animal Crossing where I do that little clap emote every time I see something I like for like hours on end? Yeah, I could picture that. I actually do that, so <laughs> so you're you're right. But yeah, how, how much of the but... show? How much of the show have you watched? I'm caught up with it. So oh, so two seasons. So George Lopez shows up as himself. The heck? Huh. There are. And so does what? Howie Mandel. So does Howie Mandel. Fra- oh, no, the, I'm looking the, at the, the voice cast. The Frankie Muniz show up on stuff because there was a Frankie Muniz named character that came out, but it kind of sounded like him. I, but I can see here. Imagine he missed George Lopez. He missed uh, Howie Mandel, but he thought Frankie Muniz was there, but actually wasn't. While the other guys were those guys, <laughs> they were literally playing themselves. Apparently, huh. well, I'm going off based on Wikipedia. Well, yeah, because okay, so- Harley apparently had a crush on Frankie Muniz when she was growing up, or something. Oh, she she breaks the fourth wall a lot in this, right? No, I don't think she ever does. Oh no, she doesn't. She does no. in the movie in Birds there, of Prey. No, oh, it, it's that's not what like, I'm it, confused with. It, it's it's not like that. Like, there's no fourth wall breaking, but the show is just very tongue in cheek and doesn't take it so seriously. But you know, like people just die randomly, and and it, it's it's wacky. It's a nice wacky show that you can. It's real. That's just really easy to binge. Would, I mean, if you. Just... If you have any like remote, if you enjoy any part of like the DC and the DC universe, like I think you'll really like it. Especially because like you also get a bunch of cameos from like Wonder Woman, you know, Superman, Aquaman, who is like, you know, also kind of a joke, but he also makes like your mama jokes and gets like a hype man dolphin. What like, kind of swoops in <laughs> and like gives him a high five? Oh my god! Yeah. I need to watch this show. Between Bane and Aquaman having a hype man dolphin, you just sold me. <laughs> and the meta stuff. Yeah, I really. It, oh, go ahead. It, it's good. I, they definitely. You could tell they're having fun writing the show, and sometimes it's it's sometimes it could get clever, and other times it's just like, I don't know. It takes it where you think it will, but I don't know. It's it's weird. It's a it's pleasantly weird. I mean, the fact Poison Ivy is in a relationship with Kite Man, who I knew about Kite Man. I knew he was a thing, but he was always one of those like obscure Batman villains that. I guess I didn't really know much about. I didn't know he's the guy with a kite. And they pretty much just, you know, trash him the whole time just because he's, like, supposed to be really lame. But somehow he gets the girl. But, yeah. 
So sure. I'm not I'm I'm I I saw that trailer that that came out of Comic Con that one year, and I really didn't like her voice actress, Harley Kaylee Quinn's Cuoco. voice actress, Kaylee Cuoco of Big Bang Theory. Yes. I, how does how does she compare compared to? I mean, well, well, who was the the Arlene Sor or some something Sorkin? I believe was her name. The, yeah, the one from like. It, uh, I mean, yeah, when, like, Adventures what, and stuff. Yeah, like when I think Harley Quinn, I definitely always picture that voice first and foremost. But this one, like, you get used to it, and I guess just because the character is, I guess, basically different from that other one, the voice ends up just kind of working. Like it just works. Although sometimes they feel like she's trying to imitate her. There's like a little bit of that in there, but for the most part, it just tries to do its own thing, and you just get used to it. It just grows on you. Where you guys? Where do you guys stand on uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn? Just as a barometer for the more mainstream huh? viewers, I seen like any myself. of the movies where she played. Oh, Kevin, you haven't seen movie? Suicide Squad. You haven't seen Suicide nope. Squad. Oh man, not that, even that was. Consider, consider, consider yourself lucky, I guess. Even Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. It was such a weird movie because, like, it spent so long not knowing what it wanted to be. Like, Don't literally, call it weird. Call it what it is. Trash. The first, <laughs> <laughs> no, but like the first half of the movie, it's like the analogy I always make when I tell people about Suicide Squad is, um, it's like you know when you're driving somewhere and your friend's sitting in the passenger seat, and they're like constantly changing the radio station because they can't decide what plays. So it's like one second, you know, or like you as the driver doing it to your friend in the passenger seat. It's like one second it's like rock, the next century it's like second it's like country, then it's like. I don't know, like mariachi, then it's suddenly like rap, and then it's just like, what's going on? None of it feels like it's also rapid fire. That's the movie. But every song, every station change is a whole like vibe change and theme change because each character is like a totally different character from a totally different movie that somehow ended up in one movie. And it's just really, it's like every two minutes, it's just like, yeah, it's, it's hard. And then the second half is just nothing. Like they took all that personality, like, we can't settle on one. Let's just suck it all out. It's such a weird movie. Soundtrack was pretty good, but it's such a weird movie. Mm. I like mainstream uh, stuff. Uh, you know my taste in music. Yeah, it shouldn't yeah, surprise yeah, you I said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. <laughs> but yeah, so, it's just a weird movie. Anyway, sorry, that's a bit of a tangent. But. Harley, Harley Quinn is, is – is does DC – you're watching this on DC Universe, right? Yeah, it's only on DC Universe, and I'm guessing it's going to come out on HBO H- Max. HBO Max. It's just going to take everything. It's just going to swallow up DC Universe. But DC yeah, Universe is still going to doing that with Swamp on, thing. aren't they? Yeah, like an old episode came out this weekend, so I guess I'm no longer caught up. But yeah. Oh, okay. So it's oh, and we, that's oh, one with George that. Lopez I'm... and Howie Mandel. It all makes sense. I don't know if it is, but I'm assuming. Hmm. I mean, if they're playing uh, themselves, I, then I definitely haven't seen it. Seen them yet? I I I always thought DC Universe all the episodes came out at once. Huh? No, they're and they're I, actually I doing it weekly, and they well. and they also have like a rib on that. For some reason, they one of the. I mean, I guess like Teen Titans Go at some point, like Teen Titans Go has plenty of episodes where they're literally talking to the audience, especially, specifically the audience that is hating on the show. Mm-hmm. And they'll usually, you know, like troll on them or just tell them how much they either don't care or whatever, just embracing the fact that they're hated. But this show at one point does do the same thing, except where they're like, they have some people watching the show and they're just kind of, I guess, caricaturing the people that they think are hating on the show. But you know, it, it's interesting, and it kind of worked. Kind of huh. reminded me of some some people I know, but yeah. Gotcha. Frankie Muniz apparently did appear as himself oh. in uh, in Harley Quinn. So there you go. Yeah, I guess it was him. What yeah. do you know, Malcolm? In the middle. <laughs> Jason. Yeah. What's up? Talk to me about what you're watching. All right. So 
It's funny that he mentioned meta because come or that I mentioned meta. That there's a show that's coming out because <laughs> coming up next. <laughs> it's funny that I queued up a, a uh, transition for myself like 20 minutes ago. No, but uh, on Monday I'm gonna be watching the community reunion, which I'm really excited about. And that's actually what I've really been doing lately is all these like Zoom and and like socially distance reunion shows or specials or just things where it's a show you know, but now it's presented as this kind of weird quarantine version of itself. So reunions and late night basically. I mean, I'm a big – anyone that knows me outside the podcast knows I'm a big Conan O'Brien fan. I've probably even mentioned it on the show. So I've been watching him every night, and it's just been these weird, like isolated people interacting through a screen that you're just also watching. And I think the best of the bunch is probably the Parks and Rec reunion, which I think all three of us have seen, right? I, I've, uh, I've seen yes. it. I don't know. If they, uh, okay. We all Wait. saw it? What? Yeah, I think we yeah, all saw. Yeah, we all saw. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not gonna spoil anything, but I mean, it's not a huge, but I'm not gonna spoil anything. But I thought they did a really, like, what? So going into it, what I expected to be was basically like Parks and Rec has has spawned so many memes and so many like little, I, I guess, animated gifs. Rock a better term. Like just so many of those things. You know, the Chris Pratt like looking at the camera thing, the treat yourself, all that. And what I honestly thought it was gonna be was just 30 minutes of them doing all the memes. But what I was surprised by is while it was some of that, you know, they reference all sorts of stuff from the show that everyone remembers and all sorts of one-off. Like literally like Chris Pratt makes a Burt Macklin reference. He just throws the name out there randomly in a sentence. It's like, yep, he was Burt Macklin. That is correct. But um, what I thought was really cool is they actually structured the episode with a whole story arc like a normal Parks and Rec. It had the heartwarming ending. It had like a flow to it that wasn't just like they're checking in on each other and seeing how they're doing in quarantine like they – they had the basically the premise for those who haven't seen it is um, the the Parks and Rec crew, mainly Amy Poehler's character of Leslie Nope and uh, Ben Wyatt played by uh, Adam Scott. They are now moving on up in government, but they want to send PSAs back to Pawnee to let Pawnee know here's what you need to do to be safe during the quarantine, while also still checking in with all their friends individually on Zoom. Um, and I thought it was really clever that it wasn't just them checking in. They actually structured the show. So it was them checking in amongst themselves. Then they cut to them doing the PSAs essentially, like uh, basically a five-minute programming block of what Pawnee TV would have been like. And then back at the end to them talking amongst themselves. So it actually had like the equivalent of what would be um, like on-location stuff or like set changes, except it was all virtual. But they pulled it off. And I, I just was really impressed. And then, like I said, they had the whole heartwarming ending with the like, you know um, – Kind of thing where like Leslie always – something always – there's a plot that always resolves uh, with her the and they ever. did that and I don't know about best year ever but <laughs> – well, She said um, like someone stopped me from saying I know. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought like they did such a good job of not just doing – because it could have been quick and dirty. It could have just been like, uh, you know, uh, hey, we're raising money for charity so let's just do 30 minutes of references. Isn't it cool that we're all back together? And that's what others – It could have been, yeah. been what John Krasinski did with the cast of The Office. When yes. they had a reunion? On some good news, right? On his YouTube yeah, show. Yeah, on his, on his YouTube yeah. show. Which, and it's basically uh, like, hey, it's you. <laughs> For like, wasn't it? Wasn't that essentially what he did? Like, he just brought them all on. They just sort of talked. Yeah, and then they danced to that uh, Chris Brown song. Right. Which Forever, I don't know how you do in, uh, in 2020. In 2020, but. Yeah, yeah. But like, it could have been that. Bag of worms. Or um, like on Monday, uh, so the day after this goes up, on the 18th, Community is doing a, re- a table read reunion, and they got I love Community, and they got everyone, including Donald Glover, for the first and Chevy time. Chase? No, not everyone. I take that. No, back. They, so, <laughs> so they're replacing so they're replacing Chevy Chase with uh, no, 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 not no. 
they're not getting they're not replacing Chevy Chase because no. he's dead in the episode. It, they're doing a table read of the funeral episode of Chevy Chase's character, so they yeah. don't have to bring him back. But they do have Pedro Pascal of uh, Mandalorian. Yeah, he had a role, role in that episode, so he's there. Um, at least I think oh. he did, if I remember correctly. But yes, he's point, bequeathing uh, the study group. Uh, yeah, what is it? Canisters of his uh, semen? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. It's been yeah. a while since oh, I've watched. Oh, no, yeah, because oh, spoilers for what? for a season four episode of Community five, uh, but same difference. <laughs> is it? Is it? I think it was oh, five. Because, yeah, yeah, because because four was the ghastly here. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Chevy Chase's character is dead. Sorry to to spoil. Oh yeah, I sort of already spoiled it when I said it was his funeral. Netflix, but uh, yeah, the reason that he that he died in the episode was because he was masturbating into these canisters to give to the study group, and he died from dehydration of it. I would like to point I, I, out I, I love anyone like who had that sentence on their random Nintendo bingo card for the last nine years, just waiting for it to make sense and be brought up. There you go. <laughs> it finally happened. But yeah, it um yeah, like community so they're doing that table read with that on um on Monday and that like that's cool because I got Donald Glover back, but that's more what I thought Parks would do or kinda more in line with what the office did, or like even Chuck, I really like Chuck and um Chuck, Chuck did a table read reunion? a couple weeks ago. They already did it. It was a table read uh, sponsored by Elect- uh Airt- I don't say Electronic Game Monthly, where'd that come from? By Entertainment Weekly. On that show. Um what? No, I've, had, I've appeared on that show. You have appeared on that show as an extra, yeah. You know that funny that came up. I was telling someone that the other day. I oh, guess it's on Rachel. But anyway, um, yeah. So it's uh, it's it was just cool to see Parks go so above and beyond. And then I was hearing all these anecdotes afterwards. So like they got Paul Rudd to do the intro, and apparently originally they weren't going to. And then like two days before they that started was, filming, that was a great little surprise. Oh, it was great. Yeah, and then like two Have, days before, having Bobby Newport. Uh, yeah. That was really good. And what was what was crazy is so originally it was supposed to be uh, Amy Poehler and, and uh, Nick Offerman doing the intro, so as themselves, and then they'd immediately cut to the show and it would be them again. But now they're Leslie and Ron, and Mike Schur was saying in an interview, he's the producer creator of the show, that sure. um, he I see what he did there that he um, did it felt weird to have them be like themselves and then immediately be the characters. So he just hit up. Paul Rudd and I was like, "Hey, can you do something for us?" He's like, "Yeah, sure." And like, this was like two days in advance. <laughs> like, that's my post or something. What? <laughs> that's my impression of Paul Rudd. Isn't it great? Um, but, but like, it's absolutely something that that he would. Yeah, sure. Like, yeah, right. Thank you. Thank you. See, I, I could see more Paul see, Rudd in that one. Yeah, but um, I was about to make a reference to the who would have thought not me that we'd be on the same page on this. But anyway, um, did you ever watch his weird show about his clone self? I saw the first episode. Wait, hold on. I was going to finish the story about how he ended up on Parks. Um, so they so they asked him, and he was somewhere in New England or something, just living in a house there. But they needed it like the next day or same day. So they couldn't get him a camera. He's like, oh, I have a lapel mic. I have a camera. Send me the script. I'll do just it. Just happened to have that? And I guess. And then like literally he turned it around in like an hour or something and sent it back. And him wearing a Leslie Nope jacket a nope 2012 jacket was not planned he just happened to have it in his house from one of the cast rap parties and threw it on thinking it'd be funny to have you know bobby newport wear the jacket of the political rival he lost to 
So, like, that, that was totally... That, that, but that's absolutely something that Bobby Newport... Oh, of course. Was. It yeah, totally is. Character. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree. But it's... Um, my point is, like, the fact that he just had that at his random house in New England where he also randomly had a lapel mic and just made it happen same day. Like, that. That that's the upside of all the quarantine crazy is, like, the reason I feel like that parks could happen, the reason community can happen, even the office, like, Chris Brown dance party, um, like, all that can happen because everyone's schedules are so free. So people are actually able to do stuff. Like, community gang Donald Glover is super exciting because, like, he, when he left the show to go become the renaissance man that he is, he uh, never looked back. But now he has nothing better to do and he's looking back. Nobody and apparently he's getting super nostalgic about it as well. And the interesting thing is there is talk now that um, this special is going to be a litmus test for a movie because, Kevin, you mentioned Communities on Netflix right now, just came back on Netflix. There's a resurgence in popularity apparently, and Sony is very seriously considering doing the movie for Six Seasons and movie. So – and Dog Lover might be in because he was talking on a podcast uh, with a couple of the cast members about how he's like feeling really nostalgic and missing those guys and everything, so – it absolutely wouldn't be a be a community movie without him, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so they already did this table read, right? They're just... yeah, they filmed it last week. It's airing on YouTube at I think two p.m. Pacific on Monday. So how by the time most episodes, people hear this, it'll be up. How many what? episodes is the show, or how long is the show? Community six seasons. Six I mean, what well, does it say? Six, six seasons. seasons like, how many and uh, Zoom? No, no, no. But how like how big are these like? 22. Season. Oh, so 22. It's like, dude, it's, it's like on network 22, TV. 22, so. 22, 13, yeah. like 16, 13, 13, like something like and, that. Yeah, and then the Yahoo is like the usual season, 24 which is really weird. I'm sorry, can you say it? Uh, and they're 24-minute episodes, or are they like the hour-long one? 24, no, it's 24 a sitcom. Episodes. It oh. used to be paired with Parks and Rec on NBC. It was, it was the crazy lineup of Community, Parks, The Office, and 30 Rock all on a single night. Man, young Jason yeah. probably comes to you survive that. And, yeah. yeah. Then 30 Rock ended, and then it was Parks, The Office, Community, and whatever show was about to get canceled in three months. <laughs> yeah, for a couple of years. And then, and then like, I remember when they first started airing Superstore, I was like, oh, it's the next one to get canceled, but it held its own. It's still on. I've never seen, I've seen like one episode. It's not bad, but it, it's yeah. Superstore. I definitely not haven't seen it, but I want to say when we went to Comic Con, we yes. went through a place that was like a mock-up of a store but yeah so nbc yeah so nbc when at down con promotes their whole comedy everything and they um modeled the inside of one of the hotels to be a superstore store cloud nine's the name of the store in the show i believe and then and all the merch part of, um, in the store was other show references so they had like uh cones of dunshire fake boxes and stuff Oh, okay. Parts. That's what threw me off. I thought it was yeah. just like, you know, a store just to promote other shows. I didn't realize the store itself was. Yeah, the store itself was a store from a show. Oh. It was. It, it went. It, there were many layers to that. Uh, you know, brand activation onion, if you will. Hmm. But but yeah, it's uh, so yeah. I've been watching a lot of that sort of stuff, and like it's interesting. So that was like the reunion side, but the other side is kind of interesting to me oh. is what like the late night shows are doing, like Conan, for example, and Fallon and Kimmel and. Colbert, like, and Seth Myers. I'm keeping an eye on kind of all of them, but it's interesting how they all <laughs> making are sure checking, they're okay. My just boys. checking in, just checking, making you know, making sure everyone's happy and healthy, and their kids are doing all right because the kids randomly show up in them now. What about John Oliver? You didn't, you didn't have him in there. Oh, you're right. I forgot John Oliver. I guess I haven't been checking on him. I hope he's doing well. <laughs> but um, yeah, I. Uh, it's just interesting to see how they all. So they're all at home, and I also didn't mention Sam B or Bill Maher. There's like a whole bunch of I didn't mention, but. Um, 
or Trevor Noah, but they're um, they're all at home, but they're all taking such different approaches to the same thing. Ultimately, they're all still doing their shtick. So Conan's still kind of the, like left brain weird humor. Uh, Seth Meyers is still doing closer looks. Fallon's still doing kind of more like game and like game things and skits. Colbert's doing political. Kimmel's doing political with some snark. Obviously, Trevor Noah's doing political Daily Show. But it's just interesting to see how they all do that in different ways. So like some of them are just like, I'm at home. I'm going to totally be at home. It'll be super obvious. Like Conan is just like in a t-shirt in front of an iPhone just filming and they just zooms with the celebrity and that's it. Fallon's like, oh, I'm going to bring my family in. I'm going to go on walks with my wife and do Q&As. I'm going to do some celebrity guests but like not um, – you know, not necessarily have it – have the celebrity games because that's a little harder. And then, you know, then on the flip side of that, you have like – James Corden, Colbert, and Kimmel, who like kind of made sets. I mean, I think Corden's the James Corden's the weirdest because like they put in multiple cameras in his garage, so when he's interviewing people, they show him talking to a laptop. Like there's a behind his back view, and was, and they have like lighting and they have like all sorts of props and stuff. It's like looks like a real set. And then like Kimmel stands in front of like this weird. I guess it's his living room, but he's like kind of dressed up still, and he like has it really nicely shot. And it's just interesting how like. Once you disrupt the norm, like anything goes, but the the range of difference that has come out of this is kind of just interesting to see because it's been such a tried and true traditional format for so long that to see them all shake it up in different ways and do it differently is just kind of interesting. They got it's, SNL, which isn't even live anymore, <laughs> but they still do that. It's really difficult for me to see any of them because it's it's so odd. Right? It's it, it's watching, weird with no laugh watching track. The, yeah, it's the laugh track, especially that that – that takes me aback. I was watching uh, one of the very first clips that Conan posted mm-hmm. when this whole quarantine started, mm-hmm. and it was just him and uh, Mona. No, Sona. Sona. Yeah. It was, just, it was just it was just him and Sona, and he was just like, you know, he was he was ribbing her on, just making jokes, and mm-hmm. they're funny, but it, it's so weird without a laugh track. Yeah, it, it's definitely weird. The weird one to me is SNL because SNL. Um, so they did some stuff that I thought was really kind of clever. Like they, they, they are all at home, obviously, but they really had their editors step up and they have a lot of like visual stuff that they couldn't do in a live show, like a lot of digital editing and stuff and crazy, you know, special effects, if you will. Um, but then, and they even redid their intro actually. So like SNL's like traditional intro is, you know, they catch people. It's, you know, as long as it's been on, it's like, They'd like, and A.D. Bryant, and they cut to A.D. Bryant. She's like, Oregon hot dog, and she looks at cameras like, oh, I didn't know you were there. And then they cut to like the next person. They're doing that in the home one too. They just have them in their kitchens. But um, the thing I was getting at is with SNL, it's interesting because they still have the beats as if it had a laugh track a lot of the time. So like if you watch Weekend Update, they go back and forth between the two hosts, uh, Colin Jones and Michael Che, and they still sort of like cue up the joke, hit the punchline, and then there's just like a beat of nothingness where there would normally be laughter and then they go to the next one and that's probably the weirdest like conan it feels a little more organic because he's talking to someone it's just kind of like we're doing right now but like snl and stuff it's literally like and pause for laughter but there's no laughter it's so weird (laughs) so so yeah it's definitely strange but we'll we'll see what it turns into i do really wonder if at least the late night shows are gonna go back to a regular format when this is all over or if they're gonna kind of embrace the looser format because every time up till now that a show would come along and be like, oh, we're the looser, cooler late night show. Like we don't sit in behind a desk. We sit in a like a drum circle or something. <laughs> and a um, we're at a beanbag. We're so cool. I wear my backwards baseball cap when I host. But then they always sort of scale back to the more traditional. Like the prime example, that's Kimmel. 
when Kimmel first started on ABC way back when, he was coming off the man show, you know, and that was a whole different vibe. And he was like, yeah, like I'm going to have a beer instead of a, instead of a little water cup next to me. And I'm going to be like wearing like looser clothes. and It's going to be super cash and da, 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 da. And now look at him. He's conformed to the regular format because that's what has worked up to this point. But now they have the freedom to experiment and find newer ways that might work going forward. So I'm curious, like if the tradition will finally die or well, what? I don't know if the so. tradition will finally die, but a lot of things will change for sure. I mean, if, yeah. it's probably safe to say that like the world has already changed after this. Oh, for sure. And I mean, that kind of, we are sort of saying this on the... For better or worse, even like for some game studios, but... Yeah, and and movies too. We were talking about like... like, Yeah, go I was going to say, because like, I mean, like I know like for like some studios, they're talking like how it's scary. Like, oh, wouldn't it be exciting if we actually shipped this game out from, you know, their work from home situation. But then that would mean that it's kind of setting a norm. But, you know, it, it, it gets great where... Some people right. will fight to stay at home because they will be like, hey, I can't do my job from home. I don't need to be at the studio. But obviously, you know, it's it's interesting. Well, the whole – I think there's two like halves to it because one um, – to like the change. Like one is something I think we said on the regular show a while ago when talking about like – I remember the context. But basically the idea was movie studios can experiment with – home releases without the blowback from theaters. Yeah, like Scoob just came out. Like came I out, yeah. Owned that, like I own that movie already. And Trolls too, uh, Trolls World Tour, made a hundred million in a fifth the yeah. time of regular Trolls. I did pay twenty so, to watch it for some reason because it was quarantine and why not? But was how was it? How was it? it? By the way, on the Friday game night, and I had some drinks that night, so I just bought it. <laughs> uh, how how was it? Um, I mean, I, it, it's it's a really beautiful movie. <laughs> 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 okay, I right, think that's. That I, don't know. So, I don't know. I I I would have to get more into it because there are like a lot of things to say about the movie that I think it does really well. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I think that's like a topic for another time. Okay, that's fair. But yeah, the point I, I, I think it's is... worth a watch. If you if you like music, I think it's worth watching. I think I think it's right. worth watching. I'll just I like that. Timberlake. He's in it. I like Anna Kendrick. She's in it. So yeah. I think I'm set. But um, yeah, no. The part is gonna make those like movie studios like because they don't have like. There is no financial loss if they try these things now. Like late night shows, there is no financial loss or there is no viewership loss if they um, just say, screw it, we're going to change the format. Because like literally there's nothing – there's no lower you can go than except not being on at this point or not having your movie come out. So I think, yeah, to your point, like half of this is companies are just going to experiment because they have absolutely nothing to lose. They're already losing everything. The other half though is you're right. Like it is going to set an interesting precedent and I'm very, very curious – what for that conventions, means. but yeah. What? Uh, especially for conventions. I'm really curious how that's going to pan out. Convention. I was going to say more generally, just work, office life, oh, yeah. all that. Because like, there was a quote from a guy at I think it was Take Two, the CEO of Take Two. So you know, owners of Rockstar Games and all that, and the 2K Sports line. And he was saying, "I'm not a big fan of work from home. I really don't like work from home. But I think by the end of this, I will fully support people that want to work from home." Which mm. is interesting. He's basically saying he didn't find it productive, but he thinks he'll learn that it's very productive. And he was saying this back in mid March at the start that of it. It can be very productive, yeah. That can be. But then like um you know, now like Twitter's saying if you all work for home forever, if you all work from home forever, you can to all their employees. So yeah. it's it's there's definitely a shift. I personally yeah, like getting sense. out of the house, but uh, there's definitely yeah. gonna be a shift and I think as more people at least for the jobs that can't do it, I mean, like, motion capture artists definitely can't. Oh, yeah, no, and there'll be some that can't, but as more companies in any industry 
realize they don't need to be paying rent on those giant offices. They don't need to be building the Apple spaceship up in, uh, you know, up in the Bay Area. They don't necessarily need that at the scale they do. I think more and more people are going to start working from home. And before, before we know it, it's going to be kind of like that movie Her, where like a few people go in, but a lot of people never do. Um, it's funny because so, I mean, that's kind of already been happening on a smaller scale with like outsourcing things. And I mean, a lot of animation studios and like Cartoon Network and stuff, they freelance a ton of stuff where they'll have someone just draw the backgrounds, like literally from home. But now it's just everyone's doing it, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be, you know, we'll we'll look back on this recording in like five years and be like, wow, we what nailed it, or, or what a failed experience. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, there, there's we're gonna be looking back at this and probably be like, yep, that was there it was when, when it was first. Like, this is where it all started. Not that we came up with it, just that you know, this is where the trends emerging is around now. But or what a failed experiment. Take your pick. But anyway, yes, that's what I've been watching and many tangents, but um. Yeah, just a lot of that sort of stuff. I'm. I should probably watch some movies or something, but at least on the TV. Well, what movies have you guys been watching? Actually, yeah, I've been going through my my list of Blu-rays that I've just been buying. I'm just finishing up buying my Studio Ghibli collection. I think I'm only missing like five or six movies. I mean, what's, what's when, and when I say one? and when I say Studio Ghibli, I don't just like I'm not just getting stuff by Miyazaki. I'm like literally getting everything that was produced by like Studio Ghibli, which. I mean, I guess they didn't, it made me realize that they're, they have a ton of directors and a lot of really good stuff that I feel a lot of people just kind of ignore just because it's not, you know, Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke or, you know, pretty much those two or My Neighbor Totoro, which I feel I don't like as much as everyone else. But, um, but yeah, the movie that I guess I watched recently that kind of blew me away was um, The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Most of you, I'm pretty sure... I've at least like heard of the main story. Like, have have any of you ever heard of the tale of the woodcutter? Does yeah, that Angel, ring there, there's there's only two of us here. You could make it like you're talking to like an audience of like fifty. There's only the two of us that can answer. I mean, I'm not wrong. I know, I know. Um, no, I don't think I know what you're talking about. Though, was it the tale of the woodcutter? Yeah, it's pretty much a Japanese folktale. It's like the equivalent of, I guess, their Little Mermaid or their. Mm. I, Actually, maybe a little more than that. But it, it, yeah, it's just an old Japanese folktale about a woodcutter that like discovers a bamboo shoot that has a tiny little, I guess, girl in it that grows into a baby. And then they raise it. Well, they raise her and they suddenly get gifts from the heavens through bamboo, like a bunch of money that makes them rich, a bunch of like fancy textiles. And they become so obsessed with like, oh, man, we have to... Like, this is a gift from the gods, so we have to make sure that she becomes, like, a princess or, you know, like, make sure that she's treated like royalty and, you know, stuff ensues. And what makes this, I guess what makes this movie stand out, especially among, like, the Ghibli films, which, like, are known just for having, like, beautifully drawn vistas and especially food. Um, This movie is pretty much like a moving painting that you would see in a museum. Like, everything is, like, a nice, like, watercolor sketched outlook. And, I don't know, it's like you have to see it to believe it. It's just really nice. It's kind of like the opposite of, um, I guess, Spider-Verse. Because Spider-Verse is, like, I would say, like, a modern version of this. Because that's kind of like a something you would see in a gallery for, like, modern street art. Mm-hmm. And this is just, like, the museum equivalent of that. Like, everything is just so, I guess, just beautiful. It's like This looks awesome. 
like i would just like watch it and just, i would literally like recommend it just for the visuals and it's like whoa like this is like hand-drawn animation like at its finest i would even say but and the story itself i mean i i enjoyed it but i mean also like if i just happened to know the tale just because uh i don't remember what show it was oh i guess since I, I watch a bunch of animes they've parodied that tale a few times already so I already kind of knew what was going to happen in the end. And it 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 does kind of come... It does come kind of abruptly. And you'll either be... Huh. That was abrupt. Or... Oh man, that's pretty harsh. But it, it can be a tearjerker. And like it can be pretty depressing. It's just kind of like a... Damn. Like... People suck. Kind of movie. But... <laughs> <laughs> I mean... To give it, oh, yeah. I'm... I mean, to give you an idea, I mean, the director, um, Isao Takahata, he directed Grave of the, uh, Grave of the Fireflies. If that okay, movie, yeah, now, now it all makes sense. If that movie rings a bell, mm-hmm. which is yeah, a very depressing, like, World War II era film where, you know, it's just two kids that, yeah, you just see them live through that and suffer, and it, it's very depressing. And it's, and it should be. It's, yeah. But, yeah, I, w- I would really recommend the film. It's it's definitely something anyone should watch if if you're if you consider yourself a fan of animation and you just like seeing different art styles because this is definitely something that I feel hasn't really been done to this extent. Like sometimes you'll see this kind of animation done for like an intro or an outro or like a segment, but this is like a full movie done in this technique. It is really cool looking. Gavin's right. It looks really great. Yeah, like it, so. it's so it does, and it and yeah, it really does feel like something that'd be like older Japanese art in a museum, versus mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, very traditional. But I, I definitely yeah. want to share it with my siblings. So I'm probably gonna. We've been watching a movie every week, just like we take turns watching movies. And next week is my turn to pick, so this will be my pick. Is that to watch Crazy Rich Asians last week? <laughs> How was that? <laughs> It, it was Can't funny. just name drop it without <laughs> talking about it. How did I describe it um, to a friend last time? It was like the cocoa of Asian culture. Like, so, I, I don't oh, know if that's a good thing because I haven't seen cocoa. I I get what it means. I think so. Like, I mean, it's something that I know. Like, I it there was a lot of things that kind of went over our heads that were just like, oh, like our reaction was literally, oh, I guess that means something. Oh, I guess that must mean something. Just because. I'm sure there were a lot of like cultural boundaries for some of the references that they were doing, but overall, like I mean, the story is still like kind of like pretty straightforward. So it's your typical like your mom doesn't approve of the person they want to marry, and you have to you know kind of get them to change their mind. Has some funny moments. Um, the dude from I guess Community's in there. I forgot. Ken Jong. Yeah, Ken Jong in there. He was really funny. He kind of steals the scenes that he's in. I mean, if if you have a way to watch it, I mean, I, I would recommend it if you have nothing else to watch. I feel like, um, I mean, that was my sister's pick. She just wanted to watch that. And it's definitely a, for lack of a better term, it does kind of fall in the chick flick category. But I feel like it's still enjoyable for anybody. It just right, kind right. of definitely leans more that way. But yeah, it, it almost strikes a good balance. I mean, I actually... Think, oh, sorry. Oh, and I was going to say, like, in some kind of stuff, even parallels, like, Hispanic culture. So it's not all completely lost in translation. Except just the fact, the complete unrelatability that they're, you know, crazy rich Asians. But 
Like, <laughs> like being that crazy rich is kind of like it makes you go like, man, it would be nice How to be much? that rich, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh like, man! I, I mean, just like the I, kind of stuff that they do and what they have is like Jesus. Like, uh, I, <laughs> now I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus <But> Christ! <laughs> I, I think, but I we think rich in see, love. Oh yeah, I think you can see. Watch me, Paul Jason. I think you could see Crazy Rich Asians on Hulu. I just saw on Hulu Bumblebee. Oh, you actually can't watch it on Hulu. We tried. You need an HBO Mexican. I don't know if this clapping's really mixed oh, really? bad for people, yeah. but I'm applauding your transition. <laughs> that was our first choice, but then, um, yeah, we needed an HBO Mexican, so we had to get it through. I mean, not Max, whatever, HBO Now or something. Right. So we had to pay $3.99 to watch it on YouTube. Gotcha. Okay, well, that was a fail on my part. But yeah, I just saw Bumblebee. <laughs> the... <sighs> But you so think the movie it? was the so the movie was okay, <laughs> and I, I really wanted to love it. I liked it a lot. I wanted to I love it, but really I liked it a lot. Wanted to love it. What what held you back? What held you back? I had uh, not very good expectations, and I ended up liking it mainly the beginning. I think I didn't really care about the rest of it. Yeah, it's it's, really it, 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 made it. I mean, honestly, because of I watched a lot of the other Transformer movies, it just had to not be terrible. Which already made it really good. For... <laughs> I I like 2007 Transformers. The but sequel, no. The third so, one, so eh. The fourth one, what? But the first one, yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's 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 do spoilers for the Bayformers, Transformers, and Bumblebee uh, for this. So skip over to the next timestamp close to this. Which what is it? Oh, it's gonna be that. Okay, <laughs> so. I don't understand what this movie is. I don't understand if it's a soft reboot, a hard reboot, or a prequel Neither to Bayformers. does Paramount. <laughs> yeah, it, Travis uh, Knight so, definitely made it with, like, I'm going to please a lot of the old school fans, which kind of retcons a lot of things that happened already, but then they also going to go out of their way to, like, set to up things that happened in the other movie. To, so yeah. it's like, so, so which is it? But yeah, it's kind of weird. So I was coming into this thinking that it was a reboot, but then John Cena's character is from Sector Seven. Yeah, which... no, it's, it, it's you know what it really is is it's an amalgamation of everything. And if it took off well, they could pivot it, 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 the it, it, franchise it while still having the roots. to use the same models and established things, but is it really? It didn't use the same models. It used the eighties models. So. No, I mean like it, it used it used the same kind of a well, it didn't use it. It took no, inspiration they, they, from they, them. I mean, in the Cybertron. Well, yeah, but they current. definitely don't look like the Bayformer ones. No, I'm talking about like every other Transformer, even like Blitzwing that came out in the beginning and Bumblebee. Like, I mean, they're still. I mean, Bumblebee still has the same face from all his Bayformer movies. They're all still the True. same kind of True. overly yeah. mechanized. Like the two yeah. robots that are out to kill them. I genuinely but, think this was an experiment on on uh, Paramount's part to see what direction they could take the franchise after Age of Extinction didn't do so hot. And I suspect, considering we haven't gotten a sequel, it didn't go the way they wanted. But I think they purposely dabbled in everything so it could be a continuation of anything that worked in the past. Whether it means you know they pick up with the with the old cartoon, they pick up with the Bayformer uh, ones, they forged their own path. Like they just kind of, it's like they threw it on a blender, and out came Bumblebee. 
It's like you like can view it as so it's like it's, like, it's almost like you view it as your own, but it has like nods to everything. Like it's like a parallel universe sort of weird thing. I feel like. I guess I guess if they do decide to go the the parallel universe route, I guess it will work. Maybe you can make it so that Sector Seven doesn't suck in uh, <laughs> the next Transformers movies. Well, I just so let's talk about the movie real quick. Uh, takes place in the eighties. That this is one this is one of my biggest criticisms of the movie. The soundtrack to this movie is awesome, but I swear every ten minutes a brand new song is played. And I just every single time that they played a new song, I'd roll my eyes, as, <laughs> as, especially especially after the three the the first three times. And what sucks about that is that I love every song on that soundtrack. Hey, you got you got a couple of Morrissey hits in there. You got some Tears for Fears, some like old school new wave. But every the ten touch. minutes, there's a you yeah yeah it's like, oh, you got you got Rick Astley like what's not to love about this soundtrack but <laughs> but but every ten minutes another snippet of 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 a, another song from the eighties is, is in there. You know, Kevin. Here's your other option because this is what they did with the first Transformers of 2007. Every 10 oh, minutes God. could be the same Linkin Park song, which I in 2007 loved that they did. But they played what I've done three times in three different parts of the original Transformers. <laughs> it's on the radio in one scene. It's in the like the PA system of another scene. It's played just normally in a third scene and it's in the credits. So like it, you pick your poison. Either it's a bunch of songs or it's only one song forever it, and always. Uh, I, I honestly don't know what I would want to pick there. <laughs> a bunch what? of songs that I do like that that are that are like overused. Oh, or careful what you're about to say here. Lincoln careful Park what you're about to say. Okay, I thought you were gonna say Let, something. Hold on, hold on. New Div- New Divide. I think is Linkin Park's best song. I love New Divide. New New Divide is a great song. I love New Divide. You know, I every, did a bracket every, the other day of – well, you definitely know, Ken, because you chewed me out oh, on Twitter. Yeah. I did a bracket Lincoln of like – Park I know. How far did need to Well, them? anyway, I did a bracket, and, and you know what was missing from the bracket entirely, which blew my mind? No, they didn't put New Divide as one of the options. Yeah, they didn't put New Divide. I, I'm assuming because it, it wasn't on any album in any capacity. I mean, you, it was a bonus track for, for – for, for an album, I think. I think it was a bonus it, album. it wasn't even a bonus track. It was only a single and put on the Transformers soundtrack. It was written just mm. for the movie, and that's as far as it got. But I mean, yeah, that's probably why. But nonetheless, I mean, even Lincoln Park, even yeah, but uh, Lincoln Park's own like former social media manager guy was like, "Where's the new divide?" <laughs> so yeah, the even basically Lincoln Park's campus aren't fans of it being excluded. But yeah, anyway, I, like, sorry, that's a. I'm just saying that, no, those no, are no, two no. choices. I, so so <laughs> I watched. I I haven't watched uh, Age. No, what was before Age of Age? Um, no, um, no, no, no. Um, so I have watched Night. The last night, yeah, I heard those movies are terrible. Can hmm. either of you confirm? Um, I was blinded They're by bloated. the fact that <laughs> yeah, I was blinded by the fact that Lincoln Park did songs for three of them. So three of them, I was just like, ooh, Lincoln Park. But if you get if I get over that hump, yeah, they're a little bloated. They're kind of not they, funny when they try to be like really like the humor falls flat a lot. Um, the second one was just so gratuitous with everything. I mean, that one shot of Megan Fox running through the desert, like just always. When I hear Transformers, that's just what I think of because it's like it was so felt like Baywatch or something. Like it was so out of place. But it's such um, a shame. It's yeah. such a shame that that like just to overcomplicate the lord with that terrible Revenge of the Fallen movie. I know. Such and I, and again, I really did like the first one. 
a lot. I think part of it was like the age, my age at the time. It resonated, but like yeah, that probably has something to do with it. But I really, really liked it. Yeah, I thought it was like fun, and it was like I've come to realize I actually prefer origin stories over sequels almost every single time. Almost Mm. every time. Okay. I, I I like like, like Wolverine Origins. What? No, 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 not like that. I mean, like the first in a series, <laughs> like the 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 movie where they come to terms with this new reality. Be it they have a superpower, be it they meet Optimus and Bumblebee, be it you know whatever it is. Like I like those more than the one where it's like, hey, remember when I did that thing? Well, now I'm going to do something else with those powers. Like that. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like I I much rather the one exception is the Dark Knight. I liked it more than Batman Begins. A lot. It's one of my favorite movies, but for the most part, yeah. I, I, so like, I think partly for me at least, not to hijack you here, but partly for me, that's why I like Bumblebee so much. Is it's basically one of those kind of origin stories. Bumblebee had a lot of strong points that I want to point out. Uh, his design, I really liked. Uh-huh. It's, it's definitely has that that Bayformer feel to it, but but just like they didn't have the edge that yes. Michael Bay would put on on his Transformers. Yeah, it's soft. Uh, the word I was about to use was softer. That's funny. Yeah. The the first three minutes of this movie on Cybertron, incredible. Angel. I know. It's, um, it should have been the whole movie. It, was, it will be. It uh, will when, be. They're doing a Cybertron prequel when, when fully animated. came out and sent out Rabbit. Oh, man. But but is it but is it going to be canon towards yep. Bumblebee? Yeah. Oh, it is? Supposedly. Well, actually, no one knows yet. I take that back. I'm trying to look up who. Every universe it. is, uh, is canon. They're there. <laughs> Yeah, they've already gotten crazy don't, with it. I mean, there's, there's, there's like there's a there's a CG Netflix series coming out. Yeah, there's a show that's currently airing called Transformers Cyberverse, where essentially like time rips opened up and a bunch of Transformers from different eras are essentially working together. Sounds like, like even, someone watched Into the Spider Verse. Like even Beast Wars Cheetor is in the mix with like other Transformers, so you know they're all in the same timeline essentially right that's what's interesting so so the the animated one coming out i don't know if it's canon but it's being done by the guy who directed toy story 4 so there's that um and then separately they're doing a live action ish like bay former bumblebee style uh beast wars movie when did that get announced a while ago apparently i didn't know either but then it was referenced in the article about uh the animated one and the bumblebee sequel is still floating around somewhere who knows what will come of it though but isn't wouldn't this, this <laughs> like I said? So, you can't. So, they're destroying so, so, things against the so wall at this me, point. It's all blender. Me, don't don't try to figure go it back out. To, <laughs> let me go back to to what else I like. Uh, the main actress, uh, Haley Seinfeld. Yeah. Haley, I know you listen to the random Nintendo podcast. My <laughs> so my Twitter. Gwen, right? My yes, she yeah, is. My Twitter is in the bio. Hit me up. You are gorgeous. <laughs> I I will simp. To the end of my life. Um, I thought she was really good. I thought it was interesting that John Cena wasn't just straight up the villain. Yeah. Which I thought I thought that's what they were going to have him do. But, like, he even says it in the movie. Like, do we really want to team up with these guys called the Decepticons? Like, that's, that's a pretty red flag right there. Like, I, yeah. I thought that was funny. Some of, some of the humor did stick. But the stuff with her family... I felt was just so overblown, was so overdone, and I like Pamela Adlon uh, as as her mom. But I know the, the the family drama just didn't do it for me. I rolled my eyes so hard at the end of the movie where she had to high dive 
uh, to save Bumblebee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, oh, that's what she did. And the last time that she did it was the last time that she saw her, her father. But, of course, she has to... Oh. It, it, it's, <laughs> Move. it's Hollywood, man. Hollywood. I really like wanted to love this movie. And it, it's, it disappointed me so bad. And then the fact that I still don't know if it's a prequel, a sequel, whatever it is. Tanya, neither does Paramount. <laughs> they don't know what it is. So what do you so what do you the, do for the, Bumblebee two? Um, if you even make a Bumblebee two, you get well. If if Transformers two taught me anything, you get two racist sidekick robots. You get Lincoln Park try an original song, and you have Megan Fox around the desert, and that's. Bumblebee I mean, if 2. they do a sequel to Bumblebee, quote unquote, at that point, wouldn't they be like, well, the sequel is not even going to be Bumblebee. It's just going to yeah, be, be Optimus Prime. Like it would just be like. With a different Bumblebee. Soundwave, the movie. What 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 have they called it? Transformers, Robots in Disguise. That right there sounds like a reboot. I'd be down for that. I like that name. Yeah, but it'd be following Bumblebee. Right. Yeah. Like I mean, they could do that, or or more, or call it more than meets the eye, or something. I I I feel I feel like. Oh, I I forgot that they played the touch in the. Yeah, they did in Bumblebee. I I bet Angel loved that. That was a nice reference. Yes. Sure. They also, when they did the panel for Bumblebee at Comic Con, played the Touch Live with the guy that performs it. I forgot his name. The Touch guy. Yeah, the Touch guy. Oh wow, Stan <laughs> the Bush. Touch. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I feel like that movie had a bunch of good ideas. the The family stuff has always been the weakest parts, or the the human stuff has always been the weakest parts of those movies. I know they need to get that those theories out of Earth. Well, they are with the animated one. I know, but that's like, I mean, I, would they, I need, until I see it, I, I feel like you can make compelling human stuff, uh, but it, they can't, but it would have to be made by not Hollywood, I feel. Cause like, I mean, for, unfortunately I feel like we live in a world where a lot of it banks on celebrity talent and celebrities just appearing in movies. So I feel like they owe, if they're going to, they're always going to give like top building or something really important to the human world just because they're going to cast you know I guess people that are going to get people in the seats but well it's not just so much that but they are looking at it as there's a subset of people who are super into watching robots fight one another and there's a larger audience Pacific Rim who needs (laughs) some what right Uh, and those move and neither of those movies did particularly well the fact that it had sequel blew people really surprised people um like they did okay the first one broke made a profit the second one i think maybe broke even but they weren't like and there's obviously dedicated fan bases but they are looking at it for better or worse as this mainstream how do we get the most people in how we make this the next 500 million billion dollar franchise whatever and that Mm. means they have to make it relatable with those human things so it's not even so much i don't think it's so much that they need famous people to fill those human roles I mean, I think it's one more way to like, achieve that goal. But yeah. yeah, but I think it's more like they don't think that someone's going to pay, and maybe they're wrong, but they don't think someone's going to pay two hours or pay 20 bucks for two hours of robots punching each other in the face without any sort of human thing. It's funny and that. the reason I, I think would. Cybertron is going to work for them is because it's animated, because that's the one place. <laughs> that sounds like the name that of the, the TV thing. show, Cybertron. Cybertron. Cybertron, SUV. But no, the... Uh, it's not different than Krypton. Or SVU, Stop I mean. Yeah, no, no but, SUVs, uh, SUV totally works. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um yeah no i think animated they can get away with not doing that because people understand what they're looking at is like 
you know, like you're it's it's Woody, he's a toy, but he's representing a human thing. But when they market a movie with look at these giant robots, we swear they have emotions and deeper inner conflicts, but like they're also punching each other, you kinda need the human element to like sell it to people, to like the broader public, opposed yeah. to the more niche. So I think that's gonna always hold Transformers back as long as it has a live action component. Yeah, because and I mean I mean Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say like and it's kinda hard to expect them to give us Really, really compelling stories when, I mean, this this series was created specifically to sell toys. I mean, the toys yeah. came first, and then they built it around the toys. But, I mean, the fact we actually have some really good content from them from time to time is really good. I mm-hmm. mean, Transformers Prime was a really good show. Beast Wars. I loved it Beast as a kid. Wars. I mean, that show still holds up. You just rewatched it all. Yeah, it still holds up really well. Yeah. Damn. Makes me want to buy some masterpiece Beast Wars figures. But I'm so I'm mad that I didn't. Hundred bucks right now. I had so many Beast Wars toys, and then when I moved away from Montana when I was 14, I got rid of a bunch of the toys I had just in general, and I did not keep so a single a Beast Wars. Person, I know, and I regret it. It, it every didn't pass day. the Nintendo. When I wake test. up, every, basically, the only stuff I kept was Pokemon and Nintendo. But when I wake up every morning, I just think like, "Where's my rat trap with wheels? Oh, right, in a Goodwill somewhere." So, R.I.P. Yeah. Seriously, yeah, so. pouring out, pouring out for rat trap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, uh, man, Bumblebee. It's, it, it. I'm so disappointed. I wanted to like this movie. I think definitely would got. Those, those Cybertron scenes are are awesome. They are. But but I think it's kind of sad that at this point, what's driving me towards the series is the the sense of nostalgia that I get from watching robots fight, like. <laughs> Like yeah. Optimus, yeah. Optimus Prime's uh, transform mode, or what? Is, what do you call that mode? You mean they call them vehicle and robot mode? Oh, oh that makes sense. <laughs> the, the, like his, 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 uh, <laughs> like, like his, like his. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, no, no. The only way the only way beast mode in beast wars, but yeah, the only way that could have gone worse is if like you're like, what do you call it when they go? And he's like, transform. Like that's the only way that could have gone worse. I mean, like, the only technicality someone might bring up is like when they don't call them a vehicle mode, they just call them their their alt form. But yeah, which is literally their alternate form, which I guess is in, uh, even more literal. Fall in Fall of Cybertron, they had that like weird in between mode, right? Weird in between mode. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Oh no, 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 no. That, that's the third one where they started like, like, in, like Bumblebee's in his car in his vehicle form, and then he, he like only changed like half his body to fight while still being kind of in vehicle, and then went back. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think that was, they started doing that in part three. What was the third game called? Dark of the Moon. Dark of the Moon. The one where they destroy so, Chicago. So that's, the third. That's the third movie, not the third game. Yeah, oh, the third game. Oh, the third game. There was no third game. Yeah. There was a third game. What was it called? No, no, no. no I said there was no third game. Oh, there was no third game. Okay, yeah. Yeah, just War for Cybertron and Fall of Cybertron. Fall of Cybertron and then Devastation, which I never got a chance to play. Yeah, but that's just like a '80s movie. I mean, '80s show. Platinum and would you rather play Devastation than, than, uh, War or Fall? Oh no! I mean, I love, I mean, I love the '80s aesthetic of Devastation, and it was fun. But, I mean, it, it's like a, it's a Platinum's game, so it's, it's kind of linear. There is like, I don't know, it it didn't, 
it was more like watching a TV show, which was great, but it didn't really feel like I was playing as a Transformer. The Fall of Cybertron games were more like open worldish Call of Duties. So you could literally be like in jet mode, flying around, like transform in the air, snipe someone, and then transform before you hit the ground again and fly off. I mean, yeah, like, those were super, really satisfying. Yeah, like it, you, no other game has ever given me that kind of like, oh man, this feels so good. Even like not as a, even as not a Transformers fan, I feel like it's just really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was I gonna say? Uh, did you play the, the um, the Transformers game that came out when the first Bay movie came out? On the DS. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was, I was got the no, Autobot version and I got the Decepticon version. No, I think I'm thinking of something else. It was uh, the Nerds. the game. <laughs> wow. It was the game that, game that came out. It was like GTA, but on the DS, but you're a Transformer. And you can make your own Transformer too. No, I'm thinking huh. of the game that came out when Transformers Armada came out. Oh, no. I pretty much... I didn't get back into Transformers until Revenge of the Fallen, ironically. That's like when I started oh, collecting God. the toys again. Like, I pretty much was really into it in Beast Wars and then paid no attention to it until Revenge of the Fallen. And that's when I started watching the 80s show again and then rediscovered right. all that. And then here we are. Oh. But, yeah. It was weird when, when that first movie came out. I had no idea who Bumblebee was because they <laughs> used, uh, because they used Hotshot in in Transformers Armada and like that, that trilogy. Or, oh was like yeah. Hotshot was the, he replaced Optimus. He replaced Prime Bumblebee a, pretty much at one point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Transformers Armada was pretty dope though. But yeah, that's, I guess that's Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess that's, I guess that's Bumblebee for me. It's a, a, a lot of nostalgia, a lot of feelings. like good, good, good. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of mixed feelings. Like I said, that, that soundtrack is, is really is really good, especially for somebody like me who loves like eighties new wave and stuff like that. But they gotta they just overuse the music. That speak but. speaking of music, can I, can I pivot us for a minute? Because I want to yes. talk about I want to talk about band that does synthy things. What is going on with the Killers? Like, why do they? I know this is like totally left field. I know, but what is going on? With the, like, why do they keep doing this thing? Where they release a single and I'm like that sounds like the Killers, and then they follow it up like two weeks later with a song that sounds nothing like the Killers. I'm like, what? Like how every album? I have you, Kevin. I mean, you you listen. I know you're a Killers fan, somewhat, right? I'm like, well, I mean, I guess I was a, a huge like Killers a partial fan. one, right? Because I'm like, like, like the first album's great, right? I think we're in agreement there. First album's awesome. the Killers. They're Reptilia, right? Nope, that's, that's the Strokes. That's, that's the, the Strokes, strokes. who just came fire? out with a new album. That's, that's the, the strokes. strokes. That's the somebody right told me. Yeah, somebody Mr. told Brightside? me. Yes, that's third time's ghost. a charm. Third time's a charm. Good job, Angel. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. It's so like the first album's really good. The second white album, wedding. I like Red Wedding. That's Game of Thrones. No, I said White Wedding. <laughs> oh, I think that's Billy that's, Joel. Yeah, that's <laughs> these are of the above. Um, but yeah, like it feels like at some point, maybe it was the third album. They just started doing like, well, we'll do a single or two that are like, yeah, we're the killers. And then we'll just go wander around with a synth keyboard for a while and just see what weird things we cook up. And they keep doing that. So like they came out with a single called Caution a couple – what, like a month ago maybe? And that one sounds a lot like when you were uh, young actually with a guitar solo added to it. And I really like it. But then it came out with another one called like – I don't remember what it was called. Fire and Bone? Flesh and Bone? Something like that. And it was just like – Fire and Bone. I don't even know what that – 
is. Like, it was, like, so different. So, oh, you so that, that, that was def- – that, to me, sounded like a Talking Heads ripoff. Yeah, yeah, now that you mention it, that is – yeah. But why? My, why are they doing that? <laughs> I don't know, man. Because Caution's They're, so I, good. I really, do you like Caution? I really like Caution. I, I do not like Caution. Oh, I think okay. Caution and Fire and Bone are, like, a 4 out of 10 and a 6 out of 10, respectively. What do you I think of like their last album? I thought their last album was great, especially with, with the man and 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 all that. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that the man's catchy. That uh, album had a lot of uh, deep cuts that I really like. Uh, the album before that, what Battleborn? Because yes. it's just it's just name with that that bad gearbox game. Sorry if you guys like that game. Uh, <laughs> that no, Obis played well, a lot. <laughs> He he only played a lot because Monte wanted to play that game. Oh, <laughs> we told him we told him that game will be dead within the month, and it was dead on arrival. So that was even was that was that the it, one it, that Cliffy it, it, B worked on? No, that's uh, oh, I'm that thinking Breakers. I mean, yeah, it just had the unfortunate. Dead. I mean, it just came out too close to Overwatch, even though they weren't the same type of game. Like, I mean, they're both like hero shooters, for lack of a better term. But yeah, that's a whole subgenre now, practically. So. Even though one is more like lane-based Dota League, was probably closer to League than Overwatch. Yeah, it was it was closer to a MOBA than than it was to like uh, PVP objective stuff. Yeah, but yeah, that's why. But yeah, you're you're saying about Battleborn, the album, Battleborn, not the game. Battleborn, <laughs> Battleborn was like the album. a really bad. Yeah, Battleborn the album by the Killers, not a yeah, not Battleborn the game to, by to the to the PK. Gearbox game or Gearbox, yeah. Uh, that one w- sounded a lot like Heartland Rock, like Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, which I don't really care for Bruce Springsteen. Uh, that that was never my jam. Mm-hmm. That 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 dad rock stuff. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like that one. But the, I I think like the three albums before that, and even uh, Sawdust, the the B side compilations, mm-hmm. those are all great albums. Ever since, and then Caution came out, and I was like, oh, they're going back to Battleborn. See, I to, to, to the sound I, of it the, reminded the album me, that I don't like. It reminded me so much of when you were young, though. I, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, yeah. If you sing any more, we're gonna if you sing any more, we're gonna clearance on it. So, uh, hold, <laughs> pump the brakes there. <laughs> um, I don't think it sounds like when you were young at all. Personally. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. Something about it just reminded me crazy. of it. And I did. I wasn't particularly a big fan of Battleborn either, so it's kind of odd that like you're picking up Battleborn vibes and not liking it for that. And I don't like Battleborn, but do not pick up those vibes at all. I don't know. But well, what do you think of Fire and Bone? That's the second one. That's mm. I knew, I know you made the Talking like, Heads comparison, but yeah, it sounds like a Talking Heads ripoff that isn't. It, it grew on me a little bit. I I really hated that song when it came out. Mm-hmm. I, I I even I think replied to to the uh, to the killers. Uh, Twitter page saying like, "Are you guys even trying anymore?" Because <laughs> wow, I, oh, it's I'm art, sure, Kevin. I'm, it's their I'm art. Sure it, I'm sure it hit, <laughs> it hurt their feelings, bro. But uh, I'm sure Flowers is curled up somewhere in Vegas crying right now. Brandon Flowers is a beautiful man that we do not deserve when you see <laughs> them play live. Oh, they're amazing live. Yeah, they're amazing live. Did but, you did, when you saw them? Did they do that thing where they do Mr. Brightside at the end? But they they do the song like kind of i guess normal speed or a little slower they get through the first verse they get to the first chorus it's they a, stop it's a remix it's a remix oh but then uh, they stop 
they turn off all the stage lights and they turn on the house lights and then they start playing it at like double time and do the whole song like in the crowd practically. We were we were at the, sh- the we same were at show. the exact same show. Okay, yeah. that's right. I knew we saw. Yeah, that's right. So when, then you were there. You did see that. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, and then <laughs> it's so good. Mr. Brightside's weird because when I saw them at the previous tour, that's how they opened the show with all the lights on. Oh. Which I thought was a little bit lame because I was like, oh, I would have liked to have heard that last. Yeah. When, like. I think with, it makes a great. The hype. It makes a great closer, and the crowd flipped out the second the house lights came on. Is is awesome. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not digging those those new those new singles at all, and it doesn't make me hopeful for this new album, which is out this coming Friday, I believe. Oh, it's um, this Friday. I think oh, so, so. The so 18th. This, oh, but yeah, yeah it's, oh. it's 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 weird because like I feel like they have like a in my mind for me personally in terms of their music, I feel like they have a sonic cycle of sorts where like they'll. Or, or kind of like a Sonic cycle. So they'll release a song. I'm like, oh, that's this sounds. The per- that's the perfect yeah. Sonic like, cycle. Like, like Sonic the, the, the Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, the yeah Sonic like, the Sonic oh, cycle. I know. Yeah, that, where they, dude. like they release something, and you're like, oh, okay, there's some hope here. And then they release something else, and you're like, mm, there's some. I'm getting a little shaky here. I don't know. And then the full thing comes. You're like, well, that's not what I wanted. But what was odd is they did it in reverse. I feel like with the last album, um, with the man on it. I forgot what it's called for some reason. Their last what? album. The, the oh, wonderful, bit. wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, because the first single was the man, which is not. That was like almost like a had like a funk infusion or something. Like was not their typical. It had like a disco vibe. Yeah. Not at all their typical thing. Then they released. Um, I forgot the name of the song, but straight up, run for cover. Yeah, run for cover, which was straight up their old style. Yeah, a which, little. which that which that sound like a song that could have been on their first two albums. Absolutely, yeah. And then and and it was kind of like building towards like, oh, it's like the inverse of their cycle. So this, you know, this album must be more like Run for Cover, I guess, cuz they're doing it backwards now. But it ended up not being like Run for Cover, which is fine. It's still a good album, but it's just kind of funny how like they even tried to shake up their own sonic cycle and ended up back in their sonic cycle on some yeah, level. So, but yeah, they they are they are the sonic cycle in, of music, I feel like. Uh, I'm shaky. I'm shaky for that album, especially because The Strokes just released their what is it? Their, their sixth album. Took them uh, long enough. The new abnormal. Yeah, they they announced that at a Bernie Sanders rally of of all places. Yeah, but that that album's amazing. There's there are so many good. You know when an album's good when you only skip at most like two tracks. Isn't that great, I, by the way, when there's an album, Strokes or Otherwise, where it's just like you're going through it and it's just all like you just – you're feeling like every single song. It just all resonates. It's not necessarily a topic, but just in terms of like the sound or whatever. And it's just like a one whole complete piece that you really, really like. And then it just becomes like the soundtrack of like your next two months. And every time you hear the songs, you think back to that two-month, three-month window. Yeah. And it's just like that was your life at that, that point. That was, that was all that. And I'm yeah. still listening to – I'm still listening to that new Strokes album. But I've – Man, I don't know. I don't know about this new, this new Killers album. Well, so what? What about the Strokes? So are the Strokes for you the like the Killers? Were some they're more hit or miss? Or are you basically every single Strokes album you like? Um, no, they're out of their six albums. I don't like two of them. Out of the Killers, I don't like because because at this point they have an equal amount of of, of uh, albums. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I like four of their albums. Yeah, it's it's the, the same the same average. So so with but, with strokes, is it was there like a period where they just 
fell flat for you or are they kind of scattered or is it like the album four and five both back to back weren't great but now they're kind of coming back with six or was it kind of just... albums albums three and four ah okay which so they're right after on the after after album three they pretty much split off they did all of album four like separate where julian casablanca's the lead singer mm-hmm. was recording his his lines his uh his verses and sending them to the to the rest of the band so that they could then like why yeah it was because they hate each other i think one of them i think one of them said the only reason that we got back together is because some of us have a third mortgage on the house (laughs) or like to 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 pay off third mortgage on our houses right well it seems like this this new album they they really got their stuff together like it sounds like they're actually having fun being a band again that's good because you could tell with music when like it when it's like manufactured versus made you know what i mean like when it's like oh we have to do this because we want the money we have to do this but we're not like into it versus when there's like you know they all click and they're all on the same page and you you can tell the energy is different yeah absolutely and maybe that's what the killers might be missing because on their promos for their last for for the last album and this upcoming album they don't have their guitarist with them yeah i don't understand that they like it's just two of them now, essentially. Like all those, even the tour when we saw them for uh, Wonderful, Wonderful, they um, only had two of the killers, and it was a backup. Yeah, Brandon, backup, Brandon, yeah. and uh, and drummer the guy, drummer Ronnie. Yeah, yeah Ronnie. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that thought that was weird. Right? <laughs> you know what, Adrian? So, we'll, we'll let you after we're done with our music. Why don't you tell us about an anime or something you've watched, and then we can balance it out because I have no anime. So there. <laughs> How about that? Okay. <laughs> I was thinking yeah, so, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's only two of them, but technically the bass is still in the band because he's showing up in the promo, in the promo material. That's but so he, strange. D- but but he doesn't go on tour with them. Whereas in the guitarist, he's not. He doesn't tour with them anymore, and he's not in in any of the promo it, footage. It feels like they're moving but the direction of of all people. Panic at the Disco, which was a band, and then wasn't a band, and then was a different band, and then was a band. The only thing constant is Brandon Yuri, and now it's just his name. And he just hires musicians as he needs them for every album, right? But like, Wait, it was a band. Back at the disco, not a thing anymore. No, they're still a thing, but it's literally it's oh, a stage name for it's one just, man. Just <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. it's like literally they're not a band anymore. It's just he uses that name for his. I've never listened to music. a Panic at the disco album. I didn't listen to their older stuff, but some of their newer stuff, like like I the emo. Hate high hopes. Uh, yeah, I'm okay. High what? hopes, I don't care about. But um, yeah, might, they might as well be in the Imagine Dragons song. Ooh, ooh! I like some of Imagine Dragons, not gonna lie, but oh, you know my God. taste is bad. Um, I'd say every other album for Imagine Dragons for me, it alternates. But, um, oh. but what I was gonna say is, um, you're saying you never listened to Panic? Yeah, me neither. They're like, I feel like Fall Out Boy and Panic, like their emo rock phase, like 2005. I wasn't really didn't really care much about, but then they both kind of went like. I don't know how to describe it. like that poppier, like electronic synth infused rock thing that was like big in like 2012 and on kind of like right. when they reinvented themselves like that's when i started listening to them more like college is when i started listening to fallout boys albums originally kind of like whatever but then like as it came out with new ones i was like oh this is moving more in my direction and then like even lincoln park started doing production in that direction too a little and everyone started doing then the whole like vocal drop thing that's really popular right now where you know the beats are made up of little chirps and low like samples of voices and that sort of thing um yeah, like the last Fall Boy album was like full on, like at sometimes just straight up like electronic album of, of sorts. 
but yeah, so I don't know where I was going with this, except when you said you never listened to that, it made me think of this. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I feel like Angel, do you have any thoughts on any of these bands, or should we just switch topics? <laughs> I mean, now that I know which one was which, um, I have a lot of fond memories of the Strokes. I feel like we listened to that a lot in middle school, but I think it was Guitar like the same. Right? I'm pretty sure it was just like that one album that has Room on Fire. Yeah, Room on Fire. I think. Yeah. I think yeah, just, that's the one that has R- Reptilia on it. Yeah, Reptilia, Room on Fire. I can't remember any other names off the top of my head, but I mean, those also obviously came up in Guitar Hero and Rock Band. I mean, both of those bands. I mean, I do remember them, and I know I've heard plenty of songs from both of them, but I guess I couldn't tell you right specific. You're not. You're I not just, a fan. You're you're like a, an acquaintance. You're a you're casual listener with their with their with their, with yeah. their music. Well, yeah, I, I whenever people put it on, I definitely enjoy it, but. We don't seek it out. Yeah. No, there's just plenty of other things I I need to listen. Like? (laughs) (laughs) The the Uh, way you word that, there's things you need to listen to. (laughs) It's it's kind of like a TV show. Like right now, like I'm, you know, you're currently going through different things that you're discovering. Like right now, I'm currently going through different Godzilla movie soundtracks. Like right now, Mm. I'm watching Godzilla 1. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Right, cool, and cool, mini cool. soundtracks. It's a lot of soundtracks. Right, right. right. Perfect. All right, with, with some Final Fantasy out. sprinkled in there. I keep looping. There we uh, go. I keep looping in the <laughs> the main battle theme. The there's two battle themes that I'm listening to like almost like on loop. But Do you damn, know which so one? So good. Uh, I, I don't remember the names off the top of my head. <laughs> I, I could do. I could like do the jingle, but please do, please uh, do. Yes, do that. I know one of them comes out like the dun. Dun 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 da da da. I think it's called um Ready to Fight or something like that. Oh, I think that's Final Fantasy Seven. No, that's right. There, there are two two songs from the Final Fantasy Seven remake. I've just been listening to on loop with oh, okay. the Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah pretty much there are two most oh, iconic gotcha. ones besides One Winged Angel. Yeah, absolutely. I would say. I, I gotta say, Kevin, this pod, doing this random like quarantine chronicle podcast, good idea because we already first episode, we already got Angel to sing, and we have the phrase "canister of semen" already on record. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we're off to a killer start here. <laughs> oh, I, I got I got the name for this episode, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I think so. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, take take us home by uh, talking to us uh, with about a little anime, Angel. Oh man, what a I'm going to say <laughs> kind of anticlimactic. I mean, just because of the way I'm going to describe it, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I I watch a lot of different types of anime. Like, I love me my super action-oriented one. There's some that are that can be gory. There are some that are also, like, on the complete opposite spectrum and very slice of life. And this falls more in line with that. It's, like, a weird fusion between my obsession with, if I haven't, and I know I've said it before, but... It seems like my favorite genre of anime seems to revolve around food in some way. My favorite being Yakitaki Japan, which revolves around bread making. And then also the Food Wars, which is pretty much the same bread making one, except they center around every kind of culinary practice. But they're basically tournament animes. But this one was recommended to me by a co-worker. And I just really love seeing stories about like the main character struggling and just working really hard and just kind of trying to achieve a goal. But the this the one, underdog story. Yeah, it's kind of like the underdog, but this character, like, he's, like, it's not a tournament anime. It, he doesn't have 
a defined goal. Like he's, it's about a middle schooler that I guess it's more common in Japan or maybe just in this world. I mean, it's this movie, this movie, this anime is set in the real world as in like, it's very grounded. There's no magic. There's nothing out of the ordinary. It's just, you know, a slice of life. And he had, he has a lot of issues with his parents and he just wants to leave he wants to go as far away as possible, so he applies to a high school that's as far away from his house as possible, and it just happens to be a school that revolves around agriculture. So he pretty much just learns how to, you know, like work with dairy cows, pigs, horses, and what I love about these types of animes is that just like the food ones, they go into so much detail, and it that detail is always like genuine. Like they legitimately tell you like what it takes to create a certain dish what it takes to get these horses and these cows and the food that you eat on the table. And it always gives you like a newfound appreciation for it. And I don't know, it's very nice, but I mean, the story is also like very heartwarming and also oddly very relatable at times just cause I mean, yeah, it's about a kid that just doesn't even know what he wants to do for the rest of his life. So he's just kind of like, kind of going through it, kind of focusing on his energy on helping everyone around him, even though it usually ends up hurting him a lot. And I just, I don't know, I, it's weird, because it's definitely the most different from other animes I've watched, but somehow I just really, really liked it for just how grounded it was. And, I don't know, I feel like if you just need, like, a break from, you know, these crazier anime that are, you know, you hear about the My Hero Academias, the Demon Soul, the Demon, Demon Slayers, and whatnot... I feel this is one that I guess would easily get overlooked. And I guess it did because it came out in 2015. Actually, Whoa, I thought this was new. It came out in 2013, actually. I think it ended its run in 2015. And they finished it like with two seasons. And it only made it... It only made its way, I think, like 80 chapters in, which I guess is about half of the manga run. And the manga has officially concluded with a def- like a defining ending. And the English translated version, apparently the final chapter is about to release. I say about. Well, I guess it's going to release in September. So since I really, really enjoyed it, and I really want to know how it ends because it ends in kind of like a cliffhanger. Like, wait, what happens? Like, what about this character? And and I don't know. Like, the drama gets pretty real like, and kind of heavy. Not like in a... I mean, there is a very light romance element to it, but it's like kind of secondary to everything but i mean it kind of goes through like the real struggles of like less fortunate people that don't have as much money like you see like what kind of happens when people have to sell off their farms and the impact that that happens on like the ranch and the kids and everything and it gets yeah it could be kind of a downer not to mention like the kid like he ends up like naming a pig and he actually has to end up you know Oh, eat God, it! No. Yeah. Oh. Just because like he <laughs> he because they tell him like like don't name a pig you're gonna get attached to it and obviously he names it and he gets attached to it and then comes the day when they have to like send them off to the slaughterhouse and that he sucks. ends up like you know like I am gonna buy this pig like I don't want it to just die like if it's gonna die I want me to be the one to I guess buy the meat and yeah it it, it dives into something it, it makes you think. I, I really like it for that. It's it makes you evaluate, reevaluate a lot of things in a good way. I feel like on a good way, but it's also it can also be pretty funny at times too. So it's not always like a 
depressing, like, oh man, life sucks kind of thing. It's it's a little bit of both. That's why I really wanted to point it out, just because it's it's very different. It's like a slice. Hmm. Normally, I don't watch slice of life, at least not like to this grounded of a level. There's always some kind of crazy twist to them if there isn't a magical or crazy element to them. But I was really happy I watched this. Um, well, I'm happy that you talked about it because at least we didn't have to end on that sour note. Yeah, as the killer's not. <laughs> See, you <laughs> but called it anti climactic. No, but, no, but, it... but we have a more sour note of a kid had a pet pig he had to kill. <laughs> so okay, so well, so, okay, fine. So he didn't I, kill the pig. The pig went to oh. the slaughterhouse, and then he got the meat later. But it was still oh, kind of well, that's almost worse. <laughs> like, he oh, it here's into my a very here's my bacon. pig, but now he strips of bacon. Yeah, yeah, no, that I would say that's more depressing than the killers, Kevin. <laughs> well, hey, well, I mean, it's like a, a heartwarming fact of of yeah, it's a it's a it's a life lesson, and yeah. we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, life well, lessons. We'll see one. Yeah, no, life there's lessons nothing with else the, with the random Nintendo crew. Yeah, there you go. Um, so that's I guess was, just to let people, episode. that's our first episode. Yeah, yeah that's our first episode. Uh, it's worth mentioning. This In does not mean anything's changing with our other show, the real Random Nintendo podcast, opposed to the Quarantine Chronicles that this is. That's still going on. So I want us to say this. Tune in on Sunday, this coming Sunday, the uh, oh, Sunday uh, Memorial Day weekend, the, the 24th. The oh, 24th. 24th. Uh, and that will be our next normal episode of the podcast in the way that you are familiar. But this will become a new parallel normal in due time. So, um, Kevin, as as our go-to guy, do you want to spout off all the platforms you can hear us or do you want me to do the honors? No, I'll – I, I think I think I've heard I think you say this. it enough. All right, let's let's, up. let's, let's go. go. Let's go. Let's see. This. Let's see if you got this. Right. Go for it. Subscribe to our I'll podcast on blank, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google, Stitcher. Mm. Uh, Spotify. No, I already said Spotify. YouTube. Oh, on YouTube, we're Random Nintendo Comp. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I, and I, we're also I, on Twitter at. We're at Random <laughs> Nintendo. I'm, I'm, uh, my name's Kevin. <laughs> you guys suck. Um, you can follow us on our individual, uh, Twitters. I don't even know where to go from here. I'm KVN Gomi, G O M I E. Uh, Jason is JSR7. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sorry, Angel. I have no idea. Really, dude? W E I R O underscore O. Where? It, it's, it's, it's really the, the E and the I. It's, it, the E and the I's always get me. So I, for nine it, years, have been doing that with that same rhythm. W E I R O underscore O. W E I R O underscore O. Underscore O. And E O, and, 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 wait, E I E I O, and, 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 Speaking of farms. W E Um, wait, so how's this work? Kevin, if you're, if you're like the ringleader here, who has final word? Angel? Me? No one? A pig? We'll leave it to, I don't know. How do you guys, here, we're flipping a coin live. Wow. Right. Tales, why don't, wait, tales? why don't we ask, why don't we ask, um, I have Siri right here. I can ask Siri to flip a coin for us. Well, so I was going to ask my Siri, but okay. Oh, go for it. I could just yeah, flip I'll an ask actual because coin. It's you two. No, because no one can hear the coin result. Yes, you can. I can no, let you, hear a, you hear I'll a let thud. it hit the floor. Look, I'll let it hit the floor. Flip a coin. Oh, I didn't. I didn't say who was tails and who was heads. I also didn't pick a side. I'm a. T- you know. A- you know what? We worked pretty smooth sailing for most of this podcast. That of course, the last minute is where it all just falls apart. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be a show. Okay. Us if true. Me heads, true. Jason tails. I'm okay. flipping it right now. 
Oh. Ted's. Okay. So who's who? So who, Angel who, gets final word. Angel, take us out. That's all, folks. But they killed that pig. 